The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Good morning, Grace City Church family. If you're new this morning, thanks so much for joining us online. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. And what this is, is a preparation for us is we're going to be jumping into a new series in the book of Acts. And so Luke and Acts go hand in hand because they're written by the same author. And it really points us to what the church is truly about as we focus on Jesus. So today our message is, what were you hoping for? Now, over this past year, we've been in this strategic alliance with First Baptist Church of San Diego. And there's been a lot of great things that God's done. You know, where our vision was to be one church for our city, seeking new life in Jesus. But this past Wednesday, I shared the results of the vote and what it needed to be was two thirds of the majority of people that were voting to vote yes. And we fell short by one vote. And when I first heard that result of 81 yes to 42 no, my response was, God, what does this mean? You know, one vote. And for many of you, you probably have different responses if you've been on this journey with us for the past year. Maybe some of you are confused by it, sad, maybe a little fearful or anxious, or just a deep sense of loss. But I want to encourage our church this morning of this. Maybe God's telling us to pause for a minute, to step back, and to remember what the church is truly about. See, for us, I believe that our next step is just to focus on being Grace City and trusting God in the process. And so whenever we face difficulties, I've always found encouragement in going back to God's word and believing that he's going to speak to us and help us through some of these discouraging and and even confusing times. And today, I believe that this scripture that we're going to be studying today is very timely for us. And so what do we find in today's text? Well, we find in Luke 24 that at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's alive. And the news is starting to spread, but people don't know what to think about it. We find on the road to Emmaus, two depressed men who are walking down the road discussing Could it be possible, could it be true that Jesus has risen from the dead? See, because what they're really struggling with deep down is they're struggling with unmet expectations. Thoughts of, well, if this is true, what could that mean? Or or what could have been? And then in the midst of their confusion, Jesus enters the picture. And so the question we need to ask today is this, how does Jesus redirect the hearts of these discouraged men? And so our text for today is Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. And in this text, Jesus shines light on three areas that help these men to understand what matters most. And also for us today, really at the end of the day, what matters most. And so he reveals it in three ways. He reveals the number one, misunderstanding. Number two, the missing piece. And number three, the moment. And so first, let's start with the misunderstanding. Look at verses 17 through 19 and verse 21. Starting verse 17. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, 
Are, are you the only visitor, visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Now in verses 17 and 19, Jesus asks, what's this conversation about? He finds these two men that are discouraged. What are you guys talking about? But then second, he says, what things? Now in this scripture, Jesus disguises himself so they don't understand who they're talking to at that moment. And what Jesus is doing intentionally is inviting them into a conversation. Today, we need to know this. Jesus always pushes us toward a deeper life, a contemplative life, one that asks, asks real questions and, and, and seeks real answers. And what starts to come out of us is our unmet expectations, our misunderstandings about who Jesus is and what he came to do. Do you see it in verse 21? He says, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. See, these men were looking for redemption from their enemy, Rome. What Jesus came to do was to redeem them from their greater enemy, sin and death. See, there is a temporary aspect to what they wanted, but Jesus was looking at the eternal. And so what is it that we hope Jesus would do for us? You see, in many ways, we need to sit in that as a church and just process as we come to Jesus and place all of our hopes in his hands. You see, at the end of the day, it's God who defines those things and really what's most important. And so Jesus directly clears up some misunderstandings for these men in two ways. The first way is that it was a personal misunderstanding that they had. See, in their perspective, they thought that Israel needed to be saved. That it was just a group of people. But they didn't realize that they needed to be saved. See, they thought that Israel was lost, but they didn't realize that they were lost. And what they hoped for and what they needed were two different things. See, first, we must see that the reason Jesus came is because we were personally lost in our sin. And the only one that can redeem us is Christ. Everything else is secondary. It's temporary. Next, it was a kingdom misunderstanding. You see, for them, they thought that Jesus' mission was about them. Do you see it in verse 21? You're going to come to redeem Israel. Jesus, didn't you just come to redeem our people? Jesus didn't come to just redeem Israel. He came to redeem the world. See, this is about a kingdom vision where Jesus came to save more than just the people that they had in their minds as these are the ones that need to be redeemed and in the way that we think it should be done. No, Jesus had something much broader in mind, and we're going to study that in the book of Acts. And so Jesus clears up some misunderstandings that these two men had. And then next, what we see is, secondly, the missing piece. Look at verses 25 through 27. And he said that to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I've thought about this before. I would have loved to be a part of this Bible study that Jesus does here. He starts to break down the scriptures for these two men. And first, look at verse 25. He starts by addressing why they're depressed. Here's what he does. He points it out. He says, because they were slow to believe. Do you realize that most of our hangups in life are gospel fractures, areas where we're not believing God, but we're trusting in ourselves? Areas where we're believing the wrong things and slow to believe what's true? See, the things that I've had to remind myself of again and again is the faithfulness of God, His sovereignty, His grace, His plan. And so today I want to encourage you to put your hope in Him. Put your hope in Christ. And don't be slow to believe those things. So how does Jesus address the slowness to believe for these two men? Well, he does it in two ways. He starts with the scriptures. Again, he's, he's doing a Bible study with them. Through the Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, he starts to point out throughout the prophets, Moses, all of the scriptures, how it's all about Jesus. See, Jesus starts to interpret, expound, bring to life, unfold before them the meaning of what is said. See, for us, if we don't see Jesus in this text, all through here, we're missing the point. Interestingly enough, in Jude 1.5, it says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. The way that Jude interpreted Moses leading the people out of Egypt was that Jesus is the one who led the way. And so church, today I want you to know that Jesus is still leading his church. And he's still able to be found right here. And as we start to see him in all of scripture, what's, what it's going to do is it's going to encourage our hearts as we start to believe on Christ. See, Jesus points everything back to himself. Jesus is saying, it's all about me. Robert Stein, who's a commentator, said, Jesus did not designate which prophets or where these prophets spoke of him. For Jesus and the evangelists, all the prophets everywhere spoke of him. They all spoke about him. Timothy Keller says, the law is about Jesus, how he fulfilled it. The temple is about Jesus. He's the temple. Every hero is about Jesus. He's the hero behind all heroes. He's the prophet behind all prophets. He's the priest behind all priests. He's the king behind all kings. He's the at the bottom of every story. In fact, you can... Even go out of the Bible, every good story is about Jesus. What do you think the Lion King is about? What do you think Robin Hood is about? What do you think Frodo is about? Every good story is about Jesus. And you know what? When you see it, and to the degree you see it, your heart will ignite. It will ignite. Church, today I want, I want our hearts to ignite as we start to see Jesus. Because when you find Jesus... 
Or better put, when he finds you, he will unlock everything else in the Bible for you. He will do that because you'll start to see him all through Scripture. The Bible will only be a rule book or a nice piece of literature to you unless you see and believe in Jesus. See, when you see the missing piece, Jesus, the the Bible becomes full of good news. See, this is a difference between what we call moralism, this moralistic spirit that just sees, okay, it's all about me in Scripture, where am I at in Scripture? And the difference between what it looks like to say, you know what, this is all about Christ. Because as I pursue Christ and as I start to see Christ, He will show me who I am. But I start with Jesus because it's all about Him first. He's the missing piece. Lastly, it's the moment. Look at verses 28 through 32. So they drew near to the village which they were going. He acted, Jesus, as if he were going further. I love that. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So so he went in to, to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? See, what was the moment for these men? Jesus had been preparing their hearts. As he, he'd be, he was walking them through the scriptures. He was showing it was all about Christ the whole time. And then they had this moment where it's just like they recognized him. See, for you and me, we can't do this on our own. The Bible says that we are dead in our sins. But the Holy Spirit brings us alive. And so today, what's that moment for you? Have you had that moment where you've come to Christ and you started to hear the word and it starts to stir in your heart, but then it just becomes that moment of reality for you where you go from death to life? See, everything that they had talked about and they'd known about became a reality in an instant for them. And they knew that the life, the death that they'd heard about, the resurrection, in this moment, it wasn't just fiction, fairy tale, but it was real. It was real. You see, all of us need this moment. Famous secular therapist and author Rollo May tells in his book, My, my, Beauty, my, my Quest for Beauty, about a time when he visited a Greek Orthodox monastery and they were celebrating Easter. He'd recently been uh, recovering from a nervous breakdown the height of the Easter service, the people began to say, Christ is risen, Christ is risen, Christ is risen. And May himself said it too. He started to say, Christ is risen. And then he says, I was seized then by a moment of spiritual reality. What would it mean for our world if he had truly risen? What does it mean for you and me today that he has truly risen? Has that moment hit your heart, touched your heart, and brought your heart to life? 
You see, friends, this is the truth of the gospel. The thing that we all need is what Jesus has done for us. So some takeaways here as we end. How can we apply this to our hearts? Let's remember that we need a person, not an explanation. At the beginning, these men talked more than they listened. They had some different explanations, even to Jesus, to Jesus himself. They had some explanations about what they thought. They wanted to argue and explain. But what we find is that what they needed most was the person of Jesus, was to be with Jesus. It was once said, God didn't send you and me a perfect argument. He sent us a perfect person, a perfect person. Jesus came in the flesh. You see, for some of you today, you're looking for that one little nugget of truth that you're just going to say, okay, that's the thing that's going to bring me to know the Lord. But Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, today, what you need to do is you need to come to him, the person of Jesus Christ. See, he lived, he died, he resurrected, and he's alive today. And so will you come to Christ personally? See, there are things that I can't understand, I might never understand. There are circumstances, even like we've been in as a church. I don't know all the ins and outs of those things, but God does. And more than anything, what I found is that I need Jesus. I need the person of Jesus. I need to go to Jesus and find what he wants me to do. See, many times what we do is we look for that easy argument or explanation instead of Jesus. And Jesus is screaming out to us, say, saying, look at me, look to me, come to me and find rest. Okay, our next takeaway is that we need a heart check. How does this happen? Well, what we see happening in this text is that it's through rebuke. See, do you picture Jesus saying some of these things? He calls them, oh, foolish ones in verse 25, and it's slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus is confronting them because they thought they knew more than they did. And many times it's through uncomfortable questions, unconventional answers, unforeseen circumstances that brings out the things in our hearts that we didn't realize were rattling around in there. And what Jesus is calling us to do is repent of our idols, our comforts, and our plan and trust in him. Recently, I was driving to a wedding rehearsal and I gotten all the family ready. They were at school and so I was going to go pick them up and then head over to the rehearsal. And what happened was there was a different plan. The, the family came home and I wasn't quite ready and I'm trying to get them all organized to get out the door, get in the van and, and start to head towards the wedding rehearsal. And for me, I was upset. I was frustrated. I sent a text to my friend, hey, I'm going to be late. And I was just mad. 
And what happened was my wife the whole time was patient with me. My kids were quiet and compliant and they did what they were supposed to do and got in and, and tried their best. And we got to the rehearsal right on time. Literally right on time. Exact time we were supposed to be there. And what I had to repent of was my sense of control, my sense of I thought I had the answers, I thought I, I had it all right. And I turned to my wife and I said, I'm really sorry. And I turned to my kids, I said, I'm really sorry. Guys, we got here on the perfect time and God's just showing me, you know what, that he's, he's going to take care of us and bring us on time where we need to be. But what needed to be revealed was my heart in all of that. Next, it's we need moments. We need moments, moments where we step back and see Jesus. See, what was it again for these two men? It was opening up the scriptures and seeing Christ. How does this happen for us today? Through taking time with the Lord, seeking silence, unstructured time, seeing that Jesus is in scripture all through the scriptures, experiencing Jesus in Christian community and the church. See, church, we, we must turn our eyes upon Jesus and see him for who he is. John 6 says he's the bread of life. John 8 says he's the light of the world. John 10 says he's the gate for the sheep. John 10 again says he's the good shepherd. John 11 says he's the resurrection and the life. John 14 says the way, the truth, and the life. John 15 says he's the true vine. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, this is a call for us to Point our eyes, point our gaze upon Christ alone. See, when we slow down, reflect on Jesus, Christ will start to become bigger in our lives. Recently, I watched the movie Prince Caspian with my family. Uh, this is based on a book series written by C.S. Lewis. And in this series, there's a character named Aslan. Aslan is the Christ figure throughout the whole story. And there's this little girl named Lucy who knows Aslan, but she hadn't seen him in a while. And she has this interaction with him that I think is helpful for us. Here, here's, what, here's what happens. Um, Lucy says, Aslan, you're bigger. Aslan says, that is because you're older, little one. Not because you are bigger. Aslan says, I am not, but every year you grow, you will find me bigger. What happens when that moment comes into our life, when we see that Jesus really is who he says he is? He becomes bigger. See, in many ways, we try to shrink the cross, we try to shrink the gospel, we try to shrink Christ. But he is so much bigger than we realize. And so today, what if our hopes turn from lesser things to Jesus? Church family, that's the biggest thing that I can encourage you with today is that we just keep our eyes fixed on 
Christ. It's about him. John 5, 39 through 40 says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Today, where's the life found? Is it found in the hopes that are dashed that we thought, oh, well, even for us as a church, like, is our hope in the strategic alliance? No. Our hope is in Christ and it will always be in Christ. And today, if you don't know that hope, I encourage you to fill out a connect card online. We'd love to talk with you about who Jesus is and what he's done for you because we believe that Christ is enough. And he's here. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that our church body today will be encouraged as these two men on the road to Emmaus were encouraged as they opened up the scriptures and they started to see that it was all about you, Lord. It says that their hearts burned within him. I pray, Lord, that there will be a gospel renewal that happens throughout our church and that it will spread, that more people will come to know Christ personally to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done and that we are sent into the world with purpose. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing and will continue to do. We put our hope in you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.